By the way, welcome to uh, George. Been been a little while, year? Probably, <clears throat> at least. Yeah? You don't hang out anymore? Uh, I'm a busy man. But you're taking got me- here. I saw the show. As soon as I saw Logan wasn't here, I got here as quick as I could. Luckily, I was close to the airport, so the Gulf Stream was there and available. Got it. You know, we, the hardest part was getting a lift from the lake bed to here. So. That was a sneak preview of what you'll hear on episode 116 of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. We had a unique show because Logan had to call out sick, leaving Jimmy and Matt to do all the talking. Even though it was just the two of us, we had some great topics that came up, including what clutch fade feels like, as well as troubleshooting some electrical issues for a KTM 690 and 300XC. Rooster Endo came with a surprise as a friend of the show, George Justice, came on to help us rate bikes or just drink some of Jimmy's tequila. We're still not sure. Either way, it was a great show with a lot of good information, and we appreciate you for listening. I can't thank our sponsors enough. Climb, Trail Tech, Seat Concepts, Takamoto, DDC, Scott Sports, and Yamaha. Show them some love and tell them Tech Talk Taco Tuesday sent you. Now, let's get to the show. Show right now? Yeah, okay. right now. Right now. Welcome. It's uh, Valley of the Dirt People, Perump, live, Jimmy Lewis, solo, because uh, allegedly Logan is uh, sick, so he called in sick to this job that uh, doesn't pay, and that okay. means that I'm going to try to carry uh, carry the show on my shoulders, like I kind of usually do, but um, maybe he'll call in. That's the, he might He might call in to uh, read the questions. We don't really know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Okay. This show wouldn't be brought to you by, wouldn't be possible unless it was brought to you by Yamaha Scott Sports. Check out their new uh, 90s goggles. Uh, Climb, DDC, Trail Tech, Takamoto, and Seat Concepts. All joining in to help uh, pay Matt so he can turn the buttons on. Mm -hmm. And then I can uh, babble and answer your dirt bike and dirt bike product related questions. Again, uh, I'm Jimmy Lewis, uh, washed up ex motorcycle racer. I was the editor of Dirt Rider magazine for about eight years. Those are the good years, in my opinion. The good, oh, the, 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 yeah. the, the good years. Yeah, those are the good years. Well, I, actually, so is Dirt Rider even still a thing? Because I know they stopped publishing, but do they even do online content anymore? Or I don't know. It doesn't get it doesn't get rammed down my throat. They got bought by they got bought by an insurance company. Um, or was it a car leads, uh, 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 in our uh, loan lead company? I don't know, something like this. Huh. And so for a while they were, they were, um, uh, they were kind of pumping it. They were paying to put those things out in social media, but the crap that they were sending out is all done by people that have nothing to do with motorcycles, their lead generation. Right. And so the stuff they were sending out was like just crap. It was real old stuff. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even well done, the stuff that was old. Yeah. And it, it just just was. And so even if you were interested in dirt bikes, it would piss you off. You're like, why do they send me this? And I think the the, the last thing I saw, it was like, we're going to run a KTM something or something on a dyno. And I was like, great. Um, that's probably. That, that's their content? <laughs> that was what it said. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to look at this. Oh, man. Like, I don't really want to see what a bike does on a dyno. And right. it, was, it was probably a video of the, them riding it on the dyno. Like, it's going to be real interesting. Right, right. And they're, they're, they're missing the Jimmy uh, Jimmy butt dymo, uh, dyno. Yeah, my butt dyno. My yeah. butt dyno. You can watch my butt dyno. No, you can hear my butt dyno. You can ride with my butt on my uh, Instagram series called 
I've got you in my pocket. Uh, I haven't done one for a while. I need to do one. I know. We, we, I've been riding all the same bike lately. Uh huh. Just KTM 500, KTM 500, KTM 500. So that sounds the same. It just kind of goes, you know, it just puts along. Right, right. Unless it's me riding it and then I can't. And then, uh, then it's just, Oh, you have the hell. crap. You have a, you have a, okay. I have, I don't know where I developed that habit, but I noticed I do it on, on my bike too. Now I don't know where I got this from. I do. I used to rev it. You like, need to wear earplugs is what you need to do because uh, so it's funny. What Matt's talking about is he hopped on my 500 and we were doing something and, and he went and like hit the rev limiter like three times. I mean, just, 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 he was accelerating and just did and then backed off and came back did it and like three times hit the rev i'm like shift and like it's just not what ordinary people do and i kind of said what what were you doing he's like uh, what did you say i said i i, I don't know but okay, I, I noticed it i noticed it after a couple times i'm like wait a minute i'm not shifting or something's not going and it was right. definitely me i was like you you need to like if you feel the power, especially on the 500, it's very, the very linear and it builds for a long time and it has a pretty good sign off. I mean, yeah, my, my motors are relatively stock. So they, they have a kind of a long sign off. So they have, a, they have, a, it has a muffler and a, and that's it. And, and they're, they're quiet mufflers, they're cues. So it, it has a pretty good taper. And I mean, I don't think I've hit the rev limiter on a 500 aside from in the sand dunes when I, when I was like, needed to 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 do something that mm -hmm. i was already too high of an rpm and i just there was no time to shift kind of thing it's usually when you're you're sort of you know coming up the crest of a dune and you're 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 gonna but that, that i haven't hit the rev limiter on that thing i mean since i owned it unless unless i wanted to for some reason right like was testing something so it was kind of surprising you managed to do it three times within 10 seconds yeah yeah no i'm confused too and like i said i noticed i'm doing all my my own bikes now these on days your too. 300 two yeah. stroke which also the same thing a 300 two stroke is not really meant to rev yeah that high and so they they, they actually sign off so you're you, by revving at that extra thousand fifteen hundred maybe two thousand rpm you're getting less power than it, it it's mm -hmm. It's made so you could shift it and it'll fall back into the peak power at that point. Like mm -hmm. they, they, a lot of bikes, you know, when they, when they build race motors, sometimes they build them so that they, that they, you know, peak right at the, at the rev limiter, but not very often, unless that's the only way they can get the power out of them. Like on 125s, they used to run them till they, you know, like they would just scream and then instantly almost sign off. They would just, it was almost like they would just fail. And by mm -hmm. fail, I mean, the power would sign off so drastically. It was just like hitting rev limiter. And if you want yeah. more power, why would you push your kill button? Which is what a rev limiter does on most, yeah, on most bikes. That's when you hear it go bop, 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 you know, it does the pop. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been some interesting things that manufacturers have done. Like they've, they've kind of, instigated we'll call it a soft rev limiter yamaha was doing this for a while and i think they actually sort of went away from it because uh, they found riders would just sit on it um they they started kind of every fourth or sixth rpm it would cut the spark once so it would it would do like a uh a soft rev limit and it, and it made it a lot harder for the bike to get way up into the rev limiter now of course this was on a production bike and they were doing it to protect the motor but uh i think <laughs> i think it also didn't give it that same 
top end feel that a lot mm-hmm. of the other bikes had. So they kind of went away from that. And now, and they, they do things with the fueling too. Now with the, the, the ECUs, they can do stuff with the fueling to, to change the, the power delivery at that high RPM. Uh-huh. So yeah, don't hit the rev limiter. Right. Right. So yeah, butt dyno, um, <laughs> butt dyno. I have a really good one. Okay. Should we start with the uh, Scott Dent Zandel? Yep. I see Logan's called in. He's right there. He does he even know how to call on a phone? He if probably he, does. Well, actually, no, he's never called me. I don't think he's ever called me. Actually, no, I take that back. He he did call me because I texted him to call me, but he called me like three days later. Mm. It was because uh, I didn't know. I didn't realize he probably he had to a, wait for his sister or his girlfriend to come and dial the phone for him. <laughs> I suspect. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, so Scott uh, Zundel, can you describe the clutch fade and drag? I also read on the internet that clutch springs go bad first, causing the friction plates to glaze. Is that true? And then this was another comment. More detailed to my question. I don't know if I've ever experienced uh, experienced a uh, clutch fade. How would I know? What does it look? What does it feel like? Not so easy reading those questions, huh, Matt? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um so can I describe clutch fade and drag? Yes. Um, so clutch fade is typically when you or the mechanical condition of your bike causes the clutch to slip more than normal. So a clutch is designed to slip. That's what it does. It slips or disengages. And if you start slipping the clutch too much, it starts heating up. It's just friction. It's got to take that power and put it someplace. So it produces heat. And when things get hot, they typically it's expand. So there is, you know, there's a little bit of expansion there. Also the materials react differently depending on how your clutch, what it's made of. Um, You can have, uh, steel plates or aluminum plates in the clutch. They're mostly now steel and there's different materials, material steel. There's different kind of perforations and um, different things they'll do to the steel plates as well as the fibers, which is a usually a steel or an aluminum plate that has a bonded uh, material like cork type material, but it's not cork, but like this, there's a material. And when, the plates get smashed together uh, via the force of the springs. They engage and they drive the bike. And believe it or not, your clutch is actually designed to slip even under um, hard impacts. So a lot of clutch baskets have dampers in them, but also on really sharp impacts, the whole clutch will just slip a little bit. And I I learned about this because I destroyed some motors because we essentially lock the clutch up with ridiculously heavy springs because they were slipping. And we found out that that burns up transmissions and or cranks or other things. So your clutch is designed to slip. It does a certain amount of slip. So fade happens when something starts going. Sometimes they fade because of the way that the, the mechanism, let's put it this way, the way that the mechanism works. So let's say you have a hydraulic clutch that pumps fluid um, from a slave unit uh, and it pumps it through a rod and everything starts expanding and the 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 slave unit doesn't compensate. Some of them do compensate, some of them don't compensate. And so, or even if it's a, a cable that, that has a, has a push mechanism and it's, it's pushing the uh, clutch open. Well, all of a sudden 
if your clutch starts getting hot and it expands, like on a cable one, you'll get a lot of free play and the level will get lever will get very loose. And so you can't disengage the clutch because it's expanded so much that now the push mechanism won't disengage the clutch. So you lose clutch feel. This could be fade in that way. So all of a sudden your clutch doesn't work here. If it was a cable, the lever would get really sloppy and you'd have to pull it farther into the bar. The other one that are, if it's like a pull clutch or, or there's a different kind of a push clutch, depending on how they, how they work. If it's pushing from the outside of the outside of the case um, and there's like different mechanisms, if the clutch starts expanding and it tightens up the cable. So it's like a, I guess we call that a pull. It'd be a pull mechanism, It'd push, pull, whatever. So if it tightens it up and then the cable and your lever gets tight. So like Honda's typically the lever gets tight when the clutch expands. And then all of a sudden, since it can't, it keeps expanding. It's actually pulling the clutch in it. There's not enough relief in there. And so then it causes the clutch to slip even more. It's already gotten hot and then it slips even more. Then it can't completely compress and then it slips and fades. And then it fades in the fact that uh, you can you can still pull it in, but it's almost already partially disengaged when you start pulling it in. So uh, and then it builds up more heat. And usually those fail miserably when this starts happening. It really starts fading quite a bit. So that's clutch fade. And drag might be the first, the more like the previous one that I described when you're trying to disengage the clutch, but it's so hot that you that the lever activation um, doesn't cause the clutch to disengage, so it drags. The other thing that happens with clutches, and you, you talk about the one thing, they get glazed, so when they when they get overheated and stuff, the material hardens up or the metal plates in there, the aluminum, aluminum or metal plates, the drive plates, we'll call them, they can get warped because they get overheated and they, they get a little bit of wave. And I, I don't know if it's just from the material getting so hot or I don't know if it's when they finally, if it goes through a heat cycle and they cool down and just the way that they're kind of pressed in there, but they, they tend to warp and then those plates aren't perfectly flat like they're supposed to be. And so imagine now the, the, the plates are kind of like, they're like little ripples. And so they, they will kind of engage and disengage and that can cause drag because it's hard to disengage. So that's, um, that's what it does. You read on the internet that clutch springs go bad first, man. It takes a lot more, in my opinion, it takes a lot more heat to fail the spring than it does to to cause the plates. I've rarely had, had clutch springs go bad. And we, we got clutches really hot, but it was very rare that, that, that springs went bad. So I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but if you read it on the internet, probably, probably true. You know, that's cause <laughs> that's the way the internet is. And um, I don't know if you've experienced clutch fade either, uh, and you would know because either you can't disengage your clutch or your clutch is slipping when you're not um, pulling in the clutch. And one way to tell, and I've told this on this show before, is if you can find 
if you if you're curious whether your clutch is slipping, take your bike in a nice area that's open and and accelerate and accelerate kind of hard and then start dragging the rear brake. And if that doesn't, if dragging the rear brake and do not touch the clutch, if dragging the rear brake slows the motor back down, then your clutch is good. But if you start dragging the brake and the motor doesn't slow down, then your clutch is bad. This is a good, this is a good, uh, a good test. And you can also, while you're doing this, if you're dragging it, you can feather the clutch a little bit. And if it revs back up, your clutch is doing its job. If you feather it a little bit and it kind of is already revving, it doesn't change much. Yeah. Clutch is shot. So yeah, look at the color of the metal plates. You know, at least the metal ones when they're nice and blue and weird colors, uh, clutches smell a lot when they go bad. Yes, they do. Yeah, typically. Um, uh, I'm somewhat aware with of this. Yeah, so that that's uh that's the answer, Scott. I'm hope hopefully you're uh, live and uh, listening and, yeah. and got all that. Or you you watch it. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on. It's on. It's stored up on Facebook. It's YouTube, all the places. Facebook, Twitch, Twitch. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting we're getting to get our third Twitch viewer. Uh, I think we're still working on getting the second. Mm. Mm-hmm. But we do have one. We're we gonna, have one person. We're, we're going to game. Yeah. We're going to go gaming. Hey, hey, there's there's only, there's nowhere go, to go but up, right? What does Van Larsen want? Van Larsen, I've ridden in the dirt most of my life. I'm 60 now. I'm moving to dual sports slash adventure. Picked up a KTM 390 adventure about six months ago, mostly due to the bike's weight and seat height. I had the quick shift installed at first service and I installed Kenda Big Blocks. Big improvement. But the suspension just locks its speed in the dirt. I live in Las Vegas and have a place in Pahrump, so most of my riding is in the open desert and powerline roads. I'm seeking your advice on the KTM 690 Enduro R. I realize it's taller in the seat. I would just have to deal with it. My current bikes are a DRZ 400, DR650, an 05 450EXC, and a KDX 220. All great bikes. I just have the itch for something newer. Thanks in advance, Van. Does he know... This, he must be a new viewer. He must be a new viewer. New viewer. I don't think he's he's a, he wouldn't. Where? He wouldn't ask that. That the, the KTM six ninety. <laughs> so I'm going to have a little uh, Fortaleza tequila to help mm. me answer this question, and then I can just blame it on the tequila, right? Uh, something like that. Mm. Not hundred percent sure though. Stay away from the KTM six ninety. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We all it, knew it was it's, coming. It's the next one up in the lineage. If you're going, okay, I'm into KTM's now, and and I want an adventure bike, and that would be the next logical step. But uh, what's wrong with a Tenere? He has all these other different bikes, right? Yeah, T seven Tenere. Um, it's going to be. It's you know. <laughs> excuse me. You're at the point where. You're on a you're on a kind of a small bike that's built for entry level and or small riders, and I think um, I think that I mean you have all these other ones. You have you have the dirt bikes there. You have the the DR six fifty is the one that's like I, I mean I want something newer because the DR six fifty is a really really good. That's in my opinion, it's better than the KTM six ninety. If you have a big tank on it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for, for doing that kind of riding. Cause it's got a low seat height, but okay. and if he's, and if he's riding his 450 XC and his KDX 220, um, I don't think the seat height is going to be that much of an issue. I'm saying T seven or he could do a Yamaha four stroke motorcycle. Yeah. We, we need someone to call in 
and give us a read though. Uh, he's probably fell asleep or something like that. His girlfriend called him or yeah, something. Yeah. Here, I can switch it to his camera though. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's switch it to his camera yeah, and I'll so, talk in Logan's voice. Right. Yeah. For motocross drivers driven to dominate, the oh, Yamaha YZ line of four-stroke bikes are built for victory. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com today to explore what's new and improved for 2022. Exactly like him, right? The YZ450F and YZ250F bring the performance with powerful four-stroke engines, reduced unsprung weight, and new suspension settings. For the look of a full factory ride, both the YZ450F and YZ250F come in an exclusive Monster Energy Yamaha Racing at Distance graphics package. And you can take precision tunability to the next level with the Yamaha exclusive and industry's only free power tuner app. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com today to find your YZ and enter the victory zone. See, the tequila worked. So don't you ever quit riding dirt bikes because you will never make it as a voice actor. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> not going to try. Not even going to try. Uh, the chat was, uh, was also kind of going off on, on that. Victor said, is that an old lady speaking? Mm -mm. It was my best Logan impersonation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What does Seth want to know? So Seth, he actually has a couple questions. Hey, Jimmy, the DBT review of the, t of the T7 is one of the only reviews I've seen that doesn't write off the suspension is seriously lacking. The internet forums are also full of guys throwing thousands of dollars into suspension upgrades. One, do you think the T7 stock uh, suspension is good for most riders? Yes. And two, what do you think of inexpensive upgrades like progressive springs? So uh, inexpensive upgrades... Um, springs, I would say if you need springs because of your weight, I think it's sprung properly for the, the, the intended audience, which is probably like, you know, 180 pound, uh, guy, you know, 105, 10, 180 pounds. That's what the bike spent sprung for. So if you, if you are heavier than that, then it doesn't matter anything else you know, you're, you're in the higher weight range. If you feel the suspension is too soft, the first thing to do is get springs. This is how you do things. If you're lighter than that, you need to get softer springs. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a mod that you would do to get the bike set up properly. It'd be the first step. And I've seen guys spend lots of money on expensive modifications <laughs> And they don't, they don't even consider the springs. They just get the spring that comes on it. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I was really impressed with this, this, the T7 suspension. It was good for adventure riding. It was set up for like, I, I was, I was riding it and I'm going, I ended up running. I mean, I, mean, I detailed the suspension clicker settings I made. I would probably add a little bit of oil to the forks. If it was my bike. I would add a little bit of oil to the forks because it would help with the middle bottoming resistance and run the settings however I had them, and that would be fine. And in, until I started doing really dumb stuff with it, and by dumb stuff, I mean trying to ride it too fast, which I don't like doing on any adventure bike, I wouldn't feel the need to uh, modify the suspension. It, for me, it was as good as the, it was better. That suspension was better than the KTMs. Really? And, oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I and... and <laughs> I, I, I think the problem is, is that the internet is not filled with the guys that leave their bikes stock. 
Like you don't go to the internet and go, Hey, I left my bike stock and, you know, do a post on the, on the form or whatever. I don't, I don't think you gotta have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. People, yep. people try to make adventure bikes into dirt bikes is a big problem, right? Yeah. Well, is, yeah, the, you, I mean, you can, you can do improvements on them and different things, but I mean, I'm thinking right now, my other than, other than me changing to a PDS shock on my KTM 1190, almost all of my adventure bikes have stock suspension, even the 390. And the 390 that, that I, that I have is it's, it, but it's not, it's not for me. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not the one that's riding it most of the time. Right. It's great for just someone to go cruise around on and it, it yeah it'll lack suspension at speed in the dirt but um i don't think that's what it's really designed for right it's designed for you gotta keep on with the bikes for right yeah keep cruising yeah keep on cruising sean elliott has a question oh, i think he has a couple of questions oh, wow. <laughs> 2018 getting your money's worth here yeah yeah Multiple for the price of one. It's another 690. Uh, 2018 KTM 690, 1500 miles. KTM Motor X 1050 oil. Purchased new from the dealer when bike idles at operating temperature oil light flickers with the slightest RPM flicker stops. Not sure of engine slash oil temperature. Radiator fan is not on. My eyes are not good enough to see temperature LED bars on the console. I checked the oil filter and replaced the oil pressure sensor based on a suggestion from KTM 690 group and light flickers more. Next oil change, I will use 1060 oil or 2050. I wish I took it to the dealer when it was under warranty. Should I be concerned with the flickering light? What action should I take? Should I purchase the oil pressure gauge and measure pressure? Should I install a temperature sensor that will activate the fan at lower temperature? Should I put tape over the light or, or black out that light? Now, don't do the last things you just talked about. So you change the pressure sensor and it got worse. So that to me would indicate that it's not the, well, hoping that, that the pressure sensor is the right one. I'm, I'm going through the same thing with my truck right now. I was going to say, this is, this is sounding it's, very familiar. Oh, geez. It's like, it, and it's, it's, and like, I know how to go check my work. And I went and checked my work because I thought maybe, I mean, I was very careful about all the stuff I put together in that truck motor. And I went back and it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a failed part or there's some sort of a, there's an oil leak inside the engine that, that, I don't understand how it happened. It makes it kind of makes sense that it's that it's a suction problem, not a pumping problem because mm -hmm. it pumps, gets pressure and then drops off like there's no more oil going to the pump. But there's there's should, there's no reason this should happen. So back to Sean, uh, if it would it would be a safe bet to put some sort of oil pressure, check the oil pressure to check it while you're um, idling it and see if that, if it's satisfactory. If you haven't done anything <laughs> and if you're running the, the 1050 motor oil, that's fine. That's, that's um, temperature oil light operating temperature oil light flickers. Okay. I want to make sure it was the oil light. Cause I was, wasn't making it sure it wasn't the temperature. Cause he talked about the temperature led bars later on in the question. Yeah. So, the 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 radiator fan shouldn't be on. I mean, unless the bike's sitting around and getting really hot. 
I don't think that the temperature is going to affect the, like you say, that if you turn the RPM just up a little bit, does it go away? So mm-hmm. maybe that's idling so low that it's not building up the oil pressure that it's accustomed to or wants. This could be one thing. Uh, I would check this. I'm sure there's a spec for what that bike should idle at, but I guarantee you it'll idle at way less than that as well. Um, then the next thing that kind of comes to mind is that there, there's the potential of some sort of a wiring issue. Like maybe, and and I don't know if it's one or two wires coming off of that um, oil pressure gauge. If it's somehow, you know, um, uh, grounding on something or if it's uh, um, shorting on something, maybe. Uh, so I would give the wiring harness a good jiggle, you know, kind of check the wires and see if it's doing something uh, funny there. But don't don't black out the light and don't tape over it. I don't think changing oil is going to make uh, that much of a difference unless unless for some reason. And he didn't say. I mean, is he is he in a ridiculously hot climate where the, the you know mm-hmm. is is he like in Saudi Arabia or something like this? And it's it's just really hot and the oil's kind of thin to begin with, so. Because it wouldn't, this wouldn't happen if he was in a cold environment, or it'd be less likely to happen. But I don't know, so uh, maybe it'll go away when it cools down outside. Because this question could have been written when it was hot, uh, and maybe he lives in the desert. But you just no, never know. Sean Elliott, I'm pretty sure. I think he's in Pacific Northwest area. Okay, it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't that shouldn't be an issue? Yeah, Victor said maybe the sensor has a bad ground, which kind of comes to like your wiring issue oh sean sean's in the chat yeah yeah so he'll he'll tell us it happens happens on on cold cold days days. oh yeah um there's there's a there's a a way to check i'm sure that there's a there's a spec on that on that sensor so that's an easy way to check it too they'll they'll give you some resistance figures for that it's just you can check it when it's when it's cold essentially i don't know how i guess you could heat it up but it's pressure sensor so Mm -hmm. who knows um yeah i yeah i would purchase a pressure gauge and measure the pressure when it's idling and if it's not bad then then figure but i would try to turn turn the idle up that's the first thing i would do maybe the idle's too low Okay. okay all right so kenny miller so 2021 KTM 300 XCTPI, 50 hours, just died. Had done a little troubleshooting shooting and found that if you jump the main power relay, it will start. Found informed that ground latches the relay when the started when the starter is pressed, but haven't had time to troubleshoot further. This is what I found. For future reference, a dead start procedure for these ECUs is start button is hit. The voltage regulator latches ground for the main power relay. Two, the main power relay excites and sends 12 volts to the ECU on L1, B4, A4, and the ECU boots. Three, the ECU boots and fires the fuel pump via pins A2 and A3 for the bike starts. Possible voltage regulator? Okay, so it just died. So my question, Kenny, is what was the last thing you did to this motorcycle? Because I will I will bet with, um, eh, 75% accuracy that you have done something to 
cause this problem. And, and, and it could be as simple as I took the seat off or I took the seat in the gas tank off or, well, I read on the internet that if I, you know, hook the battery up to the, the, the you know, something like this, mm-hmm. there's always, there's always something like this. So, um, uh, I, the, the troubleshooting you found. So what, what you're talking about is, is the way that these bikes bikes should start the way to start them properly is if you just tap the starter so they don't have a key so you tap the starter and like you said it excites the ECU and the ECU has a has a it'll stay on for a certain amount of time and so when you do that it also prime you know runs the fuel pump and probably runs the oil pump a little bit and does all the things that it's going to do if it's going to start because if you just go and land on the starter button it's if your bike's been sitting for a little while, it's going to take it a second because it has to take a quick reading from all these sensors to decide what it's going to do. But I don't think this is, I don't think that this is going to be your problem. Um, but if you, if you jump the main power relay, it will start. Uh, I, <laughs> I think you're going to find that you're, you have like a bad ground, it's funny because this is like there, there's two things that I've noticed have, have infected the uh, KTM TPI world. It's my bike won't idle and I have not ridden a new TPI bike. So I can't tell you whether they do or don't idle. Um, Logan's dad tells me that when they ride theirs down steep hills, they stop idling. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, bring it over. I'd like to try this. Uh, I'd like to kind of see what this is. And there's all this talk about some idle screw or some other thing or this or that and all these different mods. And I would be really surprised if this is something that's, that's, uh, that's, I don't know. I haven't, I have, I'd have to do it myself to see, to see what exactly it is. A lot of times these things just go a little bit out of control on the internet and whatever. But, uh, Kenny, let us know what happened, what, what you find out what the problem is. Cause I mean, I can't really diagnose it from here. I mean, maybe I maybe just maybe, KTM is building into them. Do they just die at 50 hours? That's just the, what they're doing now so that you have to take it back to the dealer and then get it worked on. You think they can't do that. Can they? That sounds like a pretty bad business model. Oh, but yeah, I mean, we but, can, we can just about conspiracy theories. Like there's one that there's a conspiracy theory that Finland doesn't exist. So Finland doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. According to a conspiracy theory, maybe yeah. that's because the guys in Finland were the ones that were working on this KTM TPI yeah. and they, they gave it the 50 hour lifespan. I, I had an electrical issue on my KTM 500 today and I was pretty sure it was just like, you want to know where they save weight on a lot of these KTMs mm-hmm. wires. They use little teeny tiny wires. And so my lights just stopped working on one of the 500s, just plain stopped working. And I'm like, couldn't figure it out because I, I I went back and I, so I start chasing, okay, where it's like none of the lights work. So I figured it might be the switch because I've relocated the switch because I have all the rally stuff on the handlebars. So I relocated the switch and things bouncing around. So I'm thinking, okay, but there was, it wasn't getting power up there. So of course, you know, the first thing I did was check the fuse. Fuse was good. Then I checked the voltage of the fuse. It was like three volts. Mm. I'm like, that's really weird. And uh, 
so I started poking around and, you know, started kind of chasing wires. Like, where does this power go? Well, it goes up to the key. And when I turn the key on, the light should come on. So I'm looking, there's 12 volts of the key, but then some, it got lost someplace in there. Well, from there, it goes back to a relay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't know uh, exactly. I've never really paid that much of attention. Okay. So I went to this relay and, and, but in the meantime, I was, I, I, I think I know what the cause of the problem was because I found my brake, my rear brake light pressure sensor has the wires went up to it. Those got on the exhaust and they melted. And so that probably caused some problems, but usually that would cause the fuse to blow, but they were all kind of melted. And I'm like, okay. So I started kind of chasing, you know, chasing around still it's, but that's on the wrong side of this problem. The problem's in between there and the fuse. And I go, Oh, relay. So I went over and found the relay check the relay and and put my finger on it. When I turn the key on and off, click, 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 click. It's doing what a relay is supposed to be doing. It's clicking. Okay. So I went and started checking it. And when it clicked, it only put three volts out, not 12. I'm like, Oh, interesting. So I do what Jimmy does. I, uh, you know, beat on it a couple times and all of a sudden 12 volts. There you go. So, so I think, well, because I mean, I know what a relay does and I didn't have one and I didn't want to have to go get one. I didn't want to wait. So I'm going to, I, I want to ride this thing. So I wanted to fix it. So, so I just tapped on it. Cause I imagine what happened is it just got some, it maybe did some arcing or, or whatever that, that short that might've been in there uh, might've caused something to, to, it's just a set of points is what it, what relay kind of is. And it might've just gotten dirty or, I mean, this thing has 700 hours on it and it ridden in silt all the time. And that thing's in a silty area in the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, I tapped on it and now it works. So now I know when the lights stop, we're going to just tap on this relay and everything will be good. Now I need to get a new relay. So, so I have one when it, when it keeps coming back, but this is the, you just, you kind of chase the problem. And my problem was, is I didn't work on anything that would have affected the lights for the last hundred hours of that motorcycle's life. (laughs) Otherwise I would have known what the problem was. This is just time. Right, right. So, so yeah, Kenny, tell me, tell me what you find out when you figure this um, out. Then voltage regulator. I don't think that the voltage regulator would be the problem, um, because, I mean, it could go bad, but the voltage regulator, I don't think affects the, I don't think it affects the, the the running side of the bike. That's what the interesting thing about the KTM's is they they're really good at keeping the stuff that runs all on one side in, you know, one circuit and the stuff that like does lights and all this other stuff on the other side. I don't know. It's like engine and like lighting and accessories are on two. They seem like they have a philosophy where it's going to be on two separate things so that the bike will run, even if the lights aren't going to work. Mm-hmm. It's probably like the way you would want to build an airplane, right? You want to keep the motor running, even if the lights went out, right, Bob? Yeah. So, there is that I, I I don't if the if it just stops, check your kill button. <laughs> that's that's usually the first. Hey, if you've been riding dirt bikes as long as me and has had as many kill button failures as I've, check your kill button. You might have washed your kill button really good, and it might have it might have uh, done something that that could have you know yeah you could have tipped over. I've seen people tip over and their kill button gets hit on something and then all of a sudden you know goes wrong or mm-hmm. the kill button wires get smashed on a tie down you you know they they crank down on the tie down and it grounds out your kill button right and and it may not do it, it may have to vibrate for it in order to work so lots of different things, lots of opportunities to screw your own bike up 
I've had a kill switch just uh, not just go bad in the way that, that it just wouldn't kill the bike. Right. Like I just had to stall the bike. So. Uh-huh. It's great. That's great when your throttle sticks wide open, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. You, then, you, then you find out how much power your bike has usually. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, I read on the internet that that's how you're supposed to ride actually stall wide open and get over the back. Get over the back. But uh, what is Jamie Como Roski? Komoroski? Komoroski. Jamie Komoroski. Uh, best slash lightest helmet under $500 for hair scrambles. Also, do certain goggles work better with certain helmets? So, I can answer the second part of the question easily. Yes, certain goggles work better with certain helmets because they fit better inside of the shell. Or they do or don't fit or whatever. So, generally, um, there's helmets with bigger eye ports and smaller eye ports. So that's um, how you can determine that. The best lightest helmet for under $500 for hair scrambles. I wish you would have told me how he was going to crash. If he would have told me I'm going to do a nice high speed crash with a, with a very uh, glancing blow uh, off the ground, as opposed to I'm going to tip over at uh, seven miles an hour and torpedo in like directly on the top of my head. Then I could offer some suggestions based mm-hmm. on my own personal experiences. But I will tell you how I determine helmets. Uh, the price tag means nothing. So you could say over or under $500. I don't care. Um, I look at, first of all, the standards that the helmet meets. Now, generally, every helmet, most of the helmets sold in the United States have to meet DOT to be considered a helmet. But there are some companies that will sell an ECE-only helmet. And that's the that's a European standard. It's a little bit better than the DOT standard as far as I'm concerned. You can make your own decisions. I looked at what these standards are and the hits that they take. But uh, I tend to find that that DOT ECE helmets, or if you can get a straight ECE helmet tends to be a little bit lighter. And the one thing you can't go away from is F equals MA. You know, the the force is the mass, you know, mass and acceleration, mass by acceleration. So if you can take some of the mass out, then, you know, when your head bounces around and stuff, it's going to have less energy. But so lighter is generally better. We saw this in tests. For the most part, um, you know, the materials, when you start getting higher prices, you get fancier stuff and sometimes better materials. So, mm, yeah, you know, Climb makes really good helmets. Fly makes really good helmets. I was actually going to put a link into the Jason Thomas interview we did. Yeah, that'd be that would be really smart, Matt. I'm surprised George didn't do is even on there. I don't know if he's on tonight. Actually, I haven't seen him pop up in the chat. Yeah, he hasn't. He. The chat has he's been t- exceptionally nice today. He's taking me to the PBR on Thursday. Oh, really? That's the Paps Blue Ribbon, right? Not the bull riding? Oh, it's bull riding? He said he was going to take me to PBR. Oh. Uh-oh. I think you need to file a complaint with him. Where's your Where's your HR department? I thought my wife was handling that. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I'll have a PBR in my hand. Or something like that. I don't have one in my hand right now. I know it's good well, for you. I'm busy typing. I I I realized t- today was my uh, my panic of like, oh wait, I have a I have a 
half marathon coming up. I got to actually like train, train right now. Right. So you're going to quit drinking beer. I am going to quit drinking beer for a little bit here. That's good for you. Uh, so, um, there, man, there's so many good helmets out there right now. Uh, so the other thing that's super, super important, Jamie is fit. So, you, you know, you can look at all the stuff, but when, but what really comes down to is the helmet needs to fit because a bad fitting helmet negates any of the stuff that I just told you. In other words, you can spend way more money on a bad fitting helmet and you could probably get a really cheap one that, uh, that, uh, will do just as good of a job. So, and you got to kind of, so you kind of know certain brands. It's kind of funny because even within climb, they have the F3 and the F5 and they, they fit, they used to fit quite a bit different. Now they're a little bit closer. So, um, you know, if, and you want it to probably be a little bit tighter than you think it should, especially kind of around the, the ring of your, of your skull is what's uh, really important. It's not super important down around the chin and, and all that stuff like that, but you want it to be pretty snug on your head and you don't want pressure points. Definitely don't want pressure points. And if you use that helmet, you have to replace it. So uh, what if you just drop the helmet like from the table? Cause I've, I've heard the MSF course, you're supposed to replace it even if it just falls like, uh, like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's, a uh, hundred different opinions on this, but if you, like I say, if you, the way we like to say, use the helmet. And if, it, if you, if you ring your bell, essentially mm -hmm. you've probably used it. So you've compromised the foam because the, the outside of the shell of the helmet is kind of like a pretty robust part, but the internal part, the foam inside of the helmet is soft and it's meant to compress and crush. And so if you compress and crush it, it's no longer going to be able to do that job the next time and so it's usually not the first ding that gets you it's the second one that'll uh that'll uh, accelerate your brain matter mm -hmm. a little bit better so that's uh so you can you can you can pull the liners out of them and look at the foam to see if it's been compromised mm -hmm. so all right next question time mm -hmm. all right so this is uh i think Dwayne uh griffey a year ago i bought a 21 300 xcw partially because of your review of the 2020 300 xcw oh i'm supposed to chalk something up on the headboard after that you know another one i sold yeah yeah i know we need to keep keep tally of these uh i really loved the out of the box suspension worked well and fairly plush what's wrong with them i mean yeah there's at least three thousand dollars to spend there Right, right. You need to, you cannot have stock suspension. Oh, oh wait, we're going to get to it. Okay. <laughs> I just, just traded in for a new 2022 300 XCW and this suspension feels very harsh in comparison. Got any tips other than a professional revalve? $3,000. Just spend it. Just, just, there's no way, there's no way your 22 can be as good as the 21 or the 2020 that I wrote. There's no, I mean, there's no way KTM is going to constantly keep making it better, even though it's probably almost exactly, exactly, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So there is a reason why your 21 and your 22 are working differently. And it's probably something fairly simple, like the forks are pinched. These are, these are the things I've seen. Uh, the, you know, the, the forks are binding, uh, the the well i mean I, i'm just taking for granted that you set the sag exactly the same and you set the clickers exactly the same between the two um i mean may and maybe the 21 was set up properly out of the box and then this one just didn't come up 
uh-huh. out of the box as well. Maybe, like I said, maybe the forks are pinched and bound. Um, the the spring preload. Make sure your 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 sag is properly set. Make sure the clickers. Hopefully, you check the clickers on. You knew what clickers. Well, the manual will tell you where they were supposed to be set. But I've also seen bikes that um, come out of the box with the clickers in different positions, and people sometimes they really like where their clickers are at. Well, you should know where those are at. And then you can, you should on between those two bikes, just be able to change the clickers and they should be exactly the same. Now, that's not to say that maybe the fork oil is a little bit different on your new bike, you know, internally, um, they, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're, you know, not every bike is perfect, but they're, my KTMs, the ones that I've seen have been pretty good. Even the ones that were not prepped for for testing and stuff when i've seen um customer bikes and everything but the you know the the it could have air in the forks are you bleeding the air in the forks there's lots of little things that you can do and and yeah these are all tips before a professional revalve and if for some reason you do all the things you get it set just like your old one was and it's still not the same i would then Go get the suspension serviced. Maybe it needs to be broken in. You know, maybe this one's just some tighter tolerances and they need to, they need to, you know, you need to put some time on it, break it in a little bit. So maybe give it some time. Maybe you were so enthusiastic about the first bike that you didn't think about it. And now you're so used to your old one, you get on your new one. And it could be something as simple as the tires, the tire pressure. Um, there are so many little things that make a big difference in suspension feel. So <clears throat> I used to, you know, I, I constantly, I'm constantly switching bikes. So I'm hypersensitive to how the, uh, how this stuff, you know, how things feel. And when you do hop from one bike to the other, if you get really used to one, you hop on something new and you feel a lot of differences. So I'm sure there's something that's causing this. It should not be the out of the box suspension. So perfect. Next question. All right. So from, uh, Brian, uh, Dodderwick, uh, Tour of Idaho 2022, 300 TPI or four stroke. What he wants pros and cons of each. He says he's done the Tour of Idaho uh, grit three. <laughs> I see why Logan struggles with these. You see how this is written, right? Yes. Uh, well, he's got all caps going. Right. He's very, very intermittent caps and then yeah. just back to normal. Grit three on both 300 TPI and 500 EXC. He prefers the 300. So I haven't ridden the 2022 300 TPI. So I can't comment on that bike specifically. I suspect it's very much like the 21 that I rode. Uh, but uh, four stroke pros and cons of each. Let's see. The two stroke is a two stroke and I like it. And the four stroke is a four stroke and I like it. They're both good. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, like, do you, <laughs> I don't even know where I'm supposed to go with that. Um, he's done it both and he knows and he yeah. prefers the 300. I, I think what he's, I think what he's, you know, he's heard on, on older shows that I said, I would always take the four stroke on these longer multi-day rides uh, for a number of reasons. The, the first was in, in, in this was, kind of when I really was saying this mostly, it was before there was oil injection. There was easy oil injection. But I'm also, we're also talking about doing rides that you need, 
you know, four and five gallon tanks. And these are not that easy to find for the two strokes. And the reason that I really like the two stroke is for its lightness and its agility and all of the characteristics that make it fun to ride and super tight, technical, more, you know, you're, you're going to do, I would call it a more aggressive type of riding in a slower and more technical environment. On the longer rides, you're covering more distance. I want a bike that's, that's going to be, you know, a little bit less vibration. I don't have to worry so much about things like getting oil, which is less of a thing now, but they seem to the four strokes, especially the bigger four strokes seem to handle the larger gas tanks better. They don't, it doesn't affect the bike. It doesn't like really turn the bike into something else. Mm-hmm. And, and on the 300, it does. So I think power wise, the 300 probably puts out more power. Cause it's a not, it's not an, it's a, it's a race bike where, you know, the four stroke on the, well, at least the 500s are kind of, you know, a little mission compliant and stuff, but Four strokes have longer power bands. You don't need to shift them as much either. Right. You know, when you, when you, you know, so you can just kind of lug out of a turn and just roll it on and, and, uh, and you could just, you just do not have to shift a four stroke as much as, as you do on a a two stroke. And so that's, that's, uh, that's it. I think. And then, and then same thing when you start adding luggage and different things like this, the four stroke just handles it better. Do I like one better than the other? Nope. That's why I'm going to have both. And that's why the the two hundreds are getting sold. Uh, one of them is, dude. There's somebody posted a picture of my two hundred on the internet's today. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like in a Pahrump Moto group or something. Huh? They tagged me. Somebody tagged me in it. I don't know where they got a picture of my. But it was. It was. I think it was like it's stuck up on a rock at King of the Motos or something like that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Cool. But I should have put for sale, but that one's not really for sale. The newer ones for sale. Right. Right. All right, so uh, so from the 2021 Beta 200 RR test video, uh, Mike D, like the review, Jimmy, I have a 2021 race version. The spooge problem can be fixed with a KTM two-stroke rubber. Was months ago I did it. Was two to choose from. I got the latest 2017 on, I think. It has a compression spring, either end, awesome fit. The part number is... Uh, Five five four zero five zero five seven thousand exhaust rubber. These numbers are Australia, New Zealand. Fantastic bike. I put in JD jetting kit. Helped with helped mine off the bottom. Too lazy to fine tune the jetting. I mainly ride sand based uh, based forests. A lot of deep whoops. <laughs> it's tough reading this one. <laughs> the KY. Oh piece. Logan, we need you back. Yeah, we need your little girl voice back here in the studio. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, I, I see why he takes all these pauses because I, I, I'm reading how I'm r- trying to read it, how it was written. And then there's just, oof. Uh, I'll try the rest. I got, it, I got it. the KYBs are perfect for my 100 and si- my weight, 160 fully loaded confidence, inspiring first bike for years. I have not done valving setting within the first 20 hours. I've had KTM 2016 to 2020, 350 XCF, 250 XC two stroke and 270 kitted 250 XCF. Love those KTMs, but Beta is just as fast in the whoops and faster in the forest as so easy to ride and way more fun. The brain thinks we are going faster when the motor is singing. Um, so he's on a 300 Beta or 200, I think. A 200, oh, 200 Beta, that's right. Yeah, I I tend to agree with um, 
most of the stuff you're saying, it's funny because he's gone down from the he's gone to small the smaller beta, which um, I think the I think the betas act more stable. And so when you're talking about hoops and things like that, and especially when it's sand, that's where that beta is really going to shine. I mean, that's like yeah. probably the ideal conditions for that bike. If you get on like rocks, like loose rocks and stones, um, I don't, I don't think that the the beta suspension is as good as the KTM stuff just stock. But yeah, thanks for that part number thing. Um, you're going to type that back in the chat right now, so everybody knows. I mean, I can. Uh, you just, should say that. You should say that we tell you what a part number five five four zero five zero five seven zero 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 is. I think that's the title of this episode. Yeah, it's like a secret code. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he got that because that that was that was one of my biggest complaints about the bike was the mm-hmm. spooge coming out of the muffler. That's how good of a bike it was. Really, I, I didn't have to go to the the real easy one. Just complain about the seat, right? Like right. everybody else does. I just went straight to the uh, thing. Hey, you you missed one here, uh, Sean Elliott. I, I intentionally missed that one. Really? Yeah, I Why? wanted I wanted to go with the flow of just getting these questions out. You know. Well, but he said thank you for another great show and the quick posting. Yeah, he said he was sorry he missed it in the live stream. Great informative entertainment that always provides a few laughs. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna sh- we're gonna send that to uh, potential sponsors. Right. That's yeah. I, that should be that should be on the on the on the banger sheet that just has yeah. all the. It's gonna be what, what what's in the box. It's just Sean Ail- uh, Sean Elliott's uh, raving reviews. Okay, so KTM three ninety long term Ivan uh, Markovic. These guys are gods. Gods. G A W D S. Yeah. Like who's gods? The people that are riding it? Yeah, yeah. It's specifically the, the guy who didn't realize the recluse clutch wasn't engaging in the sand. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know that guy. Yeah. Okay, what does a T7 do? Okay, so this is from no one. Uh, good video, but I'm not sure why she's in it. It's like you're asking a 16-year-old with learner's permit to share advice on driving a Ferrari. Wow. That's harsh. That's my wife he's talking about. Yeah. I, I don't think he knows who your wife is. <laughs> Heather, I'm going to remember this 16. You got to remember. You got to remind me of this. Right. Right. She's coming this weekend. Right. When I introduced her at the school, I said, yeah. here's my wife. She's a 16 year with a learner's permit. Who's trying to share advice on driving a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is brilliant. Yeah. Is no, this your burner? No, is this your burner account? No, I'm you saying see? no one needs to send me his bike for rooster endo. So I can tell him what I really think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at that time of the show. We're getting there, right? We take a little break or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're actually we two minutes from when I normally uh, try to schedule it. So okay. we're just going to, you just mean, your, you mean your bathroom break? No, I don't need a bathroom break today. Okay. No, no. We got not. it. All right. So yeah, we're going to go on a commercial break now guys. And we'll see you in like three minutes. Since 2009, Seat Concepts has been dedicated to making the best aftermarket seats. More comfort, more grip, more riding. For 10 years, we've continued to raise the bar. Innovation and American craftsmanship make Seat Concepts the world-leading manufacturer of power sports seats. We're back on you're back on i'm coming coming on now okay i thought you so were going to do that you. from over here i thought we were a professional show it just looked like it should be do a fade wipe into a nice transition and then we're just standing here talking yeah well uh, i didn't even, professional. i didn't even have time to get another beer uh so this is a segment we call rooster endo if you are not familiar with rooster endo 
then um you what are need, you doing yeah you need to you need so this is this is where <laughs> it's brought to you by c concepts yeah and so if you have a bike with a seat concept seat you should send us it and it will roost which that actually did happen today but that they have submitted today i have i have a seat concept seat right here in fact this thing is not going to be hanging out in the studio for that much longer because uh i fixed the bike that this oh that was the one that had the light problem oh okay okay that's why i want to go ride it because your factory I, bike so i had to ride my other factory bike my other factory ktm the other day and mm -hmm. i literally was kind of pissed because i was riding out by crystal and so like 35 minutes on just flat dirt roads and stuff and i find myself sitting down a lot mm -hmm. and because <laughs> i rode that one last time i was doing a lot of this seat time stuff and i was like i miss that so good seats by the way honest honest genuine plug yeah like we and if you want a seat concept seat uh order it now because it's gonna be a little while and make sure busy. you make sure you tell them that we sent you yeah tell them we sent you yeah tell them jimmy lewis recommended it i have them on pretty much <laughs> i have one for almost every one of the bikes i ride a lot unfortunately i have like, two or three of every kind of bike so i have to switch my seats around unless I forget to, or I'm lazy, which is what happened with this. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, I literally knew it was, I, it's one bolt. That's one bolt and on and off. And I literally looked around in the garage. I'm like, where the hell did that seat go? And I kind of forgot that I put it in here. Right. Mass. Okay. It's okay. I just got a couple, couple questions. Let's, let's go straight to the thing. So yeah, you, straight you to can, the thing. You yeah. can make the, Oh, you're going to make the bikes appear on the screen. Like you're supposed to. Yeah, I can do it from here. That's, that's why I brought my, my remote little mouse here. See, this is my backup in case I ever need to sh show up over here. Right. Okay. I look at it and I say, Caleb will, will at, right. Caleb and, then, will at. and then I read the mods, right? Right. All right. So it's a 2016 FE 501S. It has smog removal and just some bolt-ons, bolt-on extras, nothing fancy. It's in the back of a truck. I mean, so this guy, he want he nothing fancy. He should get a seat concept seat. That is what he should get. <laughs> it looks it looks like he has the stock tires in it, but I do see it almost looks like there's a knobby in the back of the truck too. Right. One second, I'll be right back. Oh, you got to go fix something that's broken? <laughs> yeah, my remote mouse just kind of like disappeared on me. Uh-oh. It disappeared on the screen. Is that on the show or is that? Oh, no, that's not on the show. You want me to do that part? I could probably do that part. I can match the picture to the thing, but then you got to size it, right? Yeah, I got to size it. Do you have to reboot the computer now? Oh, no, no, no. That's It's nothing like that. It's nothing like this. No, it's just, I think this just died is what okay. happened. There we go. Yeah. Now you got his bike uh, on the show. Yeah. It's, it's up. It's upside down and crooked. Well, no, that's that, that's how the picture was. Oh yeah, blame the blame the picture. Yeah, there's a, there's a feature like you push a button and it rotates it. You ever seen that before? Yeah. <laughs> and if you, uh, if you know how to rotate a picture, you can be the producer of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. You're not. You're not far off, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much. No. This is a, I, I'm, I'm impressed that his bike is so stock. I think that's, that's cool that he, that, he, that he's proud of it. He was the guy that I'm not talking about earlier. It's funny looking at this thing because mm -hmm. it's a 2016 and I'm just, it, I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, that looks old. I mean, they've really changed these bikes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so just that, you know, you start looking at the engine configuration, the clutch cover is a little bit different and, uh, 
Yeah, it's a sweet ride. It's gonna get. It's gonna roost. I like it. Somebody that can keep their bike stock. This bike has a lot of resale value to me because like, it's uh, stock, or just because of the model. Well, no, I, I actually don't like those the white KTM's that much. Uh, oh, really? I I like it because it's stock. It's not like the bikes I buy from like Bob. Oh yeah, yeah. Bob so bike. so I so part of my um, task today while I was finding that voltage or the, the the relay that was going bad was unbobbing some of the wiring that had been done. So you allegedly had some extra wires put on there, and they I don't know where they went. I know we talked about this when I very first got this bike. I'm like I don't know where these go or what they do, and you said something like don't worry about it. Right. But today. I was trying to find a problem that I didn't know. And so I started worrying about it because there was extra wires that had fasteners that I'm not aware of that, that didn't, they were not KTM fasteners or, or, or connectors. And they had, they had, you know, special heat shrink and different things and all this. So you can only imagine my fear when I realized that I, I started encountering some bobs on my, on my bike and Bob's bikes look kind of stock, but they're just, they're fucked with to a level that that it it really it it speaks to someone that had way too much time on their hands and they should have just gone riding instead of trying to fix a problem that didn't exist. Am I correct? Well, it didn't exist because the ECU didn't have the map. In it. The ECO, it was for a, a different map inside the ECU. Right. I wonder I wonder so I had an ECU that failed. One of my 500 ECUs failed, and that may have been the one. Because I, I don't know. I've lost track of it now. No, all, all the ends were terminated. All the ends of the, yeah, on the, on the wire. But they went to like a two-position switch or something like that, correct? No, you tried to put the You tried to put the map switch in there. Oh, are you are you just gonna run? You're gonna run it from over there. Gonna, you, you, yeah, lost, no, you lost confidence. No, you I didn't lose confidence. Shot? The the uh, the battery on my mount, remote mouse died, <laughs> so I have to use the one over here. So. Okay, I got Justin Gray's bike in front of me. Okay, it is a 2018 XCF 450, and that means it's a KTM. He's got the Acherby's 4.5 gallon tank flex bars. Uh, those are Jimmy Lewis approved. Uh, BRP dampened Scots mount. That's another Jimmy Lewis approved uh, product. He has Cycras, which I think he's talking about his handguards. I run some of those on mine. He has the Acherby skid plate. I've got one of those too. Excel A60s. I have those on one of my bikes. Oh man. I have those. I have the W. Oh, now we got a guest host. Oh, we do have a guest host. Oh geez. He's got to put on the you headset. Know your you, you, did you have your brother in the chat room? He was, yeah. Yeah, your brother yeah. your brother was in the chat room. I saw he was but you know what he's gotta do first, right? Go blow up my bathroom. Yep. yep. He, he was probably breaking lots of speed limits to get here. You're not gonna believe who we've got back on the show. You can just Logan is fired. There we go. Uh, I have XL A sixties on a set of wheels that W did for me that are really, really sweet. Rear spring for my two hundred and fifteen pounds. I don't have that. I'm not, I never got to 215. There we go. Baja Design Squadron. That's good. Wolfman E-Base and Rolly Dry Bags. I have those on a set. I don't have them on my bike right now, but I have that set up. It goes on when I need it. That's a, that's a nice, that's a pretty nice chariot. It's almost like one of mine, except it's an XCF and I don't like linkage. So Justin, 
one seat concept seat away from roosting. Yep. I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's the same. Yeah. I think he's on a... Yeah. I mean, you can have almost everything that I have <laughs> and it just make it a little bit different. I I always wonder, like, if... I And I like the... I like the um, I like the XCWs for the simplicity of the the PDS, mm-hmm. but I I wonder if I if if I would like I could I wonder if I could set up a an XC as good as a I mean, I totally put it up there and missed yeah yep. I missed his bike I just pinned everything else right that's okay that's an endo that's yeah, an endo too okay I'll move it up it's an it's a roost now <laughs> if you missed the first time you, you're obviously wrong that was that was divine intervention yeah right. George, I got something over here. Get out of that. I got it over here. You sit down and just do what you're supposed to do. Don't don't try to fix the problem that doesn't exist, like Bob. Here, here's what I you think do. George should rate the next white. Come on over here. Bike. Yeah, no, he sit down you. right here. Logan's seat. Waddle your way over here. This is a uh, Mitch Page. So you know how this works. You watch the show much anymore? I watch all the time. I was on there today, but nothing was coming up. What, because you're driving across Area 51? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Mitch Page, 18500 EXC, integrated taillight, emissions delete. <clears throat> By the way, welcome to uh, George. Been been a little while. year? Probably, <clears throat> at least. Yeah? You don't hang out anymore? Uh, I'm a busy man. But you're taking got me- here. I saw the show. As soon as I saw Logan wasn't here, I got here as quick as I could. Luckily, I was close to the airport, so the Gulf Stream was there and available. Got it. You know, we, the hardest part was getting a lift from the lake bed to here. So. The chat right. is actually blowing up for George right now. Of course Ricky, it is. Ricky even joined in. Jay- John, John Perkins. <laughs> yeah, we even got John. Big John. John needs to come into the show. John needs to come into Maybe the show. Maybe you deal with this while I'm reading, Jim. Yeah, I'm working on it. You keep telling me what's so, on this bike. Again, it's a 18500 EXC. I think mine's a 17, <clears throat> so I kind of know the bike. JD fuel tuner, reeds removed, Lex, L-E-X-X slip-on. That's a Rocky Mountain um, one. Hey, if you're going to buy something from Rocky Mountain, go on to uh, dirtbiketest.com and click through on the link we had there. I think it's like the third or fourth banner. And that'll also help. Uh, that'll help us fly George and his golf stream down here because we're just raking it in these days. They, you see, I'm not invested in you, though, really. You know, <laughs> I'm no. not a supporter on the... Uh, Oh, well, I'm sure that by the time you leave, there will be a sticker someplace. So back to the bike, a Lex slip-on and hey, Rocky Rick, Mountain. Ricky Ricky feels pretty bummed. He's been on the show the whole time. Yeah, but I didn't see him in the chat at all until just now. Well, because he wasn't poking fun at us. Yeah. Ricky, come on, man. You got to make fun of Jimmy. <laughs> so you know what I like the most about Rocky Mountain, besides their shipping, they're quick, they got a lot in stock, right. is that OEM parts finder. Yeah. It's I mean, one, oh, it's one of the best so ones. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and it's everything's like discounted, you know. So yeah, so I, click I through on dirt bike test, get the get the discount, get it quick, have the ease of shopping that they have there. I use it all the time. I I, I was using it, and and it's one of those things. I went to them and said, "Hey, is there any way we can be partners on this?" And they're like, "Well, you're not that special. I mean, you don't do bike giveaways, or you don't uh, you you know hardly anybody knows who you are anymore." So I like had to nurture the relationship a little bit. But they're on board now. Yeah, they're on board. That's a good one to yeah. have. I mean, we're, we're, no, no, I, they, I legitimately are. really, really like them. It's not like some of these other things you hey, just shill. They they support so they they support a lot of land use stuff. They're 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 they give money to land use. They support keeping trail access open. 
they do things like race bucks or gas bucks. So if you sign up at races, you get a little bit of money back from your race sign up to help you, you know, buy some parts and stuff that you need. It's like they're pretty forward thinking. And uh, and I know I know, you know, they, they they've made it tough for a lot of the brick and mortar stores. But, you know, that's the way competition is. I, and for me out here, Valley of the Dirt people like there is no way for me to get the stuff that I need. And with without a company like this. So I use them and uh, that's how I keep 50 motorcycles running. I was going to say, I still try and support my local guy, even though it costs a little more or whatever. You know, I try and go in there and keep him in business with little stuff when I got time, you know. I tried to do that at the, <clears throat> at the, at the, the KTM dealer in Vegas. And when they charged me full retail for a, a <laughs> and I mean, not just full retail, like, like over retail. And they wanted to know the year, make and model. And I said, it's a clutch lever. I want the clutch lever. I needed a spare clutch lever before I was going on a ride. And I just swung in there to get one. And they're like, you're making model, please. And I'm like, uh, uh, it doesn't matter. 2014 KTM 500. Well, is that what it's going to go on? And I'm like, yeah, that's what it's going to go on. And they go, are you sure? <laughs> Oh boy! Well, that's just a minimum wage parts guy there. You know, nobody. It, it's hard to find those career guys. Well, guess what? They didn't really know. So, so they didn't have it. They didn't have an aftermarket one, but they had the power parts one that was like a hundred and nineteen dollars. And I'm just like, I don't want this. And it was it was way more disco or anything that I would really want. But I I wanted. I just it was one of those things. My ride is worth a hundred and nineteen dollars at this moment, and I just wanted to get out of there because I was just couldn't. I actually was going to get a couple other things, but when I went through this, I, I realized I was going to have to explain to him like how I wanted a part off of a different bike to put on this other bike, like a, right. you know, a counter shaft sprocket or something. I don't remember what the heck it was, but anyways, yeah. Welcome that, to the big show. Let's get back to, um, yeah, back to the bike. So the next bullet item is it says led headlamp, but there's a lot of room in what that could mean. There's no brand. You know, does he have like a bod design? He should a have nice a bod design. Or just a yeah. little, plug and play bulb or something. <laughs> I see something else in this bike that we got to talk about too. A Cherby yeah. X seat. There we go. The Cherby's X seat. If there was ever Endo. something that, well, it's funny. Uh, so I, I have a couple of these and they used to be like all foam. They were like, it was like, well, it was a plastic seat. Mm hmm. And now the X seat has an air bladder in it. And so it, you can adjust the pressure like with a, with a pump, you do, you know, pump up your football, your soccer, soccer ball and stuff. Right. Um, and you can kind of adjust it. And I have one for a Yamaha and it has these ridges in it. And I tell you what, if you were doing like a mud race and, or you wanted to not sit down that much, this is a great seat for that. And they love these things. They're stiffer than shit. Even when the low pressure, they love these things over in Europe. And America will not bite onto these. And I think it's air it's inflatable. Okay. Yeah. That's the X seat. X seat. Yeah. Hmm. I, it might be called an X seat air, but uh, yeah, it's the X seat. I, I, I have one for a Yamaha. So next item on his bike, uh, EE. So I assume Enduro Engineering Bark Busters. Mm -hmm. He's got a skid plate, but again, he doesn't say, you know, what it is. It could, I like it when, you know, if people put the brand and stuff, you usually have some kind of knowledge of, you know, enduro engineering stuff is good, but yeah, uh, yeah. he just says skid plate, mm -hmm. uh, a Cherby case guards. Yeah. So he, I guess those are those plastic, but he didn't, he, he failed to mention 
He failed to mention the biggest thing on this bike. I noticed it immediately when I saw the picture too. He rode his super motorbike into a river. It's probably because he was coming down the mud. I know why the bike's parked here. He was coming down the slippery mud road Mm -hmm. on the way in and he got on the brakes to stop and it slid in there. And then he said, I'm going to just look at it and make it look cool and take a picture. And for that slam, I'm going to give you a roost because he just totally knew that if he put supermoto wheels in there mentioned them yeah yeah i'd probably handle it because it's dirt bike test but you <laughs> you can, don't think you can predict my my moods i'm like one of those pit bulls we're all fun and happy with the children until they poke us in the eye okay next one go right down the top here yeah just say the name and then chris hitchcock can i look at it? no please just, okay i'm gonna have a Come tequila on. then here, since you got the lid off that, put a little in there. Oh, boy, must have been a long drive. Um, Jimmy didn't want to ride this week, so we're solo taping road books. <laughs> ah, nope, I, 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 I did want to ride this week. I've just got a truck that doesn't run. and That must and, be Barbeck. Yeah, yeah. Let me see what's going on here. Okay, you ready for this, Chris Hitchcock? I hope so. 15 XC300. Almost everything I can get from Bulletproof Designs. That's a good company. Okay. They make good stuff. A 7602 clutch cover. Is that a reference to some kind of titanium or something? Aluminum. Okay. Full pro circuit pipe. Tusk fan. Full. You didn't get half pipe. Full pro circuit pipe. That means pipe Pipe and and muffler. muffler. Tusk fan. Uh, brackets thermostat went out last ride uh, fcr did my suspension tubeless back tube front task light bar on a toggle i don't see it he has a number plate in the fixture lying seat concepts comfort there we go bingo oh should almost hit the bell but we didn't say husaberg 570 and now we did. There we go. <laughs> Every show. And that's all I can think of right now, he says. But then he adds another bullet that says, starter needs something. I just can't figure that out. So what year is this? Slow cranking. 15 XC 300. Starter needs Matt to come over and show him how to fix it. Because yeah. Matt's got more time invested in KTM uh, two-stroke starters uh, than anybody I know. Hey, how did that, how did that work? It's, it's working good right now. I think I, I do want to pull it off after like a ride or two, though, to kind of like see how the JB welds holding, holding up. Right. And so so we so we packed his case with JB weld and and built a, a kind of a new we'll call it a, a it's not a bearing. It's a what's that little that little thing like a shim and not a shim. It no, was like uh, a, it was like a like a, a sleeve. It was like the, yeah. the, the the sleeve. It should have a bearing. It really should have a bearing. But the right. sleeve that holds the Bendex in there, we built up the whole case around it with JB Weld and mm-hmm. and really fixed it in there. And and although it Matt ran the JB Weld a little bit hot, you know, and it got it, I, I wanted to work with it for probably another minute. Was I on the phone or something like that? Uh, I was distracted I th- a little bit. I think you were just shit was going on. You were just, you just told me to do do everything except uh, the putting it in part, right? And so we 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 uh, we got it in there. I think it's good. What yeah. was the in the picture of the stator on the post today? Where was that from? Is that old? That's that's was the stator I pulled out of that three hundred because and you uh, put and you put a new one in since then. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Trail Tech. Trail Tech one. That's yeah. your Husenberg you're doing all this with. 
Yeah, yeah. So Matt wanted to do a project bike with his Husaberger. <laughs> yeah, because he needed everything. So, 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 so when he came in, he's like, "Yeah, I want to get new plastics and a seat cover and a graphics kit." And I'm like, "No, Matt, no." I did no. not say that. I said I wanted to start from the ground up. Oh, if you had the episodes cataloged, wait, that was Logan's job. I can I could probably point to the ep- I know I could point to the episode because yeah. I, I found like the 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 show notes that showed when I asked this, uh-huh. but no, my, I it was not graphics and pl- uh, oh, he, he wanted to just, he wanted to come in and just do everything. I'm like, Matt, we're going to do one thing at a time. We're just no. going to tackle the big problems first. And then we're going to, we're going to work our way. And by the time that thing is done, it's going to be a full on show dog. It'll be nice. Oh, it is already nice. Like I, I just need to get uh fresh tires on it and I want to get the suspension serviced. So he's having starter problems. Uh, he has no graphics on the thing, which sometimes that's pretty cool. He's got a seat concept. In this seat. Case, so. I think he has an orange Kickstarter, though. I think that's just a reflection from all the, the bling on the bike. <clears throat> it, I, I or don't maybe know. it's anodized. I or, think it is anodized. Or did he paint it? That print isn't very good. It almost looked like a red Honda. If he if he if yeah. he if he painted the kickstand, kickstarter Kickstarter, it's a roost. Like that's that's nobody does that. That's that's pioneering. There we go. Trend setting here on a TTT. Right. Okay. Daryl Boyce Gregory. What's that in the back? Is that a well, D10? I don't care. It's a D10R. Yeah. That Whoa. was looking at that. that you that know, pretty I, cool. I'm going to tell you something. That's going to get him bumped up. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. So when I was a kid, like I, you know, I just was into tractors and stuff. And I mean, I'm kidding you not. I wanted to see a D10 so bad and I never saw one. I saw D8s and D9s actually. I actually uh, drove a D8. <laughs> they were doing some work back up behind my house, and I found the keys <laughs> when I was a kid. I got in trouble for that. Uh, but I wanted to see a D10 so bad. And it wasn't until I was like literally in my 20s before I actually saw a D10. And it was like, you know, when you're playing, like you're driving across the country and you're playing that, like, find a bug. Did you ever play that when you were a kid? No. You, you know, you, like, like you find Slug a bug. bug find a VW bug okay. you know, find you know you find a certain kind of car or whatever it was like that with the D10 and I just they just eluded me forever so I don't care what kind of bike that is that that's a that's a roost that's a KTM 500 go ahead that's about all he says he says Daryl Boyce Gregory 2015 500 EXC next bullet is stock does he want to sell it that's I, that I'm in the market. That, Talk about uh, those years that <laughs> all those changes kind of in those years. Cause there were some that were a little less desirable. No, it was, it was before like 2011, 2008, 2011, 530 EXCs were not very good. They, they, they were, ran really good. I had a used one I bought from a guy for, a while. they ran really good for 150 hours. And then you had to replace everything in the motor or grenade. And they, they handled different. They, they were just, it it wasn't a KTM. It was almost like, I, I don't want to, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. It was almost like Kawasaki built it. It just had this different kind of feel, which at the time the Kawasaki was the hot motocross bike. And I can kind of see the direction KTM was. They, they looked like, they looked like somebody down there, instead of just going and doing their own thing, like they always had, it looks like, Hey, Honda has this split engine oil, transmission oil thing. Let's do that. And, and let's do, you know, let's, let's get this kind of handling characteristic. And then I don't know, it went, it, it was all wrong, I think. So this is a good bike stock. I like it. Maybe you should just fold the bike back and show the, show the tractor only. Those are up there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll put it right here. Is that it? We out of them? That's it. Okay. Another now. edition of Rooster Endos. Though. He still hasn't built that thing. This is. We were talking about Logan's lack of motivation. It's it's really easy to talk about him when he's not here, because he was supposed to call in. Like I'm pretty sure. I, like I'm he's, 99% sure I said, you going to call in? And I thought he said, yeah. I thought he said, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe he's sick. He's really sick. I don't know. Yeah. Here, I can put that board back up, though. Okay, let's... Uh, Is that my job? Am I supposed to do Evan Yankel just posted his bike. Evan, we're going to get to your bike next week, hopefully. Uh, we'll get to everybody's bike next week, or at least the ones that we have. We got a We got, we got a lot of bikes. It's going to be more than a week. We got a lot of bikes. I, hey, I'm stoked that you guys are are ballsy enough to actually <laughs> set your bike in, knowing that it's like a roulette wheel. <laughs> yeah. Straight ahead. And I and I and I, I'm not doing bike shaming. I think I'm trying to make this an educational segment. There you go. Right? Yeah. So it's uh, well, you're 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 letting the the public know like what's good and what's bad. No, no, I'm 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 just commenting on it. I'm yeah. I I don't think that it goes up on those two screws. There's yeah. there's two yeah. holes. You got you got a. It'll fit up there. Uh, who need if if you break this whole set, George? Your first time, is this your first time sitting on the new set? First time I've seen it. Oh wow! Oh. Okay, Sean. Who needs a key for a diesel? Jump start it with a cable and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Push over. I didn't know all this stuff back then. I just found the keys and then I dug a big hole and got stuck oh, in it. Oh boy. Oh boy. Dug a big hole. Jimmy, Kel Postel wants to know what would you do to tame down a 2022 Honda CRF450RX? Um, the best and easiest thing to do, well, the simplest would be put a um, quieter muffler on it. Like, like give it, give it some back pressure and that will help. Uh, a certain amount. The other thing, but usually people don't think those things are that need to be tamed. The second thing is get the um, HRC tuner. So the so the ignition uh, fuel mapping tuner. Something breaking. It's just what George touched. It's going to collapse on me. You know, Logan built this, so it could fall on me and kill me. Uh, I would if you can get get a hold of an HRC tuner and then and then uh, tune tune the ignition and the fueling. That'd be the easiest way to do it. Add fuel, give it more traction, take ignition out, tame down the uh, the snap, the throttle response. Maybe so, he's ham fisting the thing. That's some, why it's so snappy. Well, somebody somebody said throttle tamer, which means a different a different uh, cam profile on the 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 throttle tube, which I don't find that really works that well me personally i like a really aggressive one so maybe that's why but mm -hmm. uh let's see here you want me to read some some chat questions now yes uh, okay so uh dirty doyle uh he's just asking if you've ridden much in northern arizona gonna mm. get northern arizona would be that'd be the other side of the grand canyon I can pull up on Google Maps. I'm not very familiar I'm, with uh, Arizona. I, I mean, geography. yeah, nor, well, like Northern Arizona is that like is that like Flagstaff? Are you are you going there? Or are we going on the other side of the Grand Canyon? Or because the other side of it's like the northeast side is all Indian. Yeah, the answer is yes. There we go. Yeah, perfect. I started talking too much. George should should have just cut in there like Logan does and tell me to clip it. 
I'm warming up. I'm warming up to that, Jimmy. If, I think he needs more tequila. If you'd actually share some of that tequila, I'd cut into it real harsh. PBR. <laughs> Where? Beer did you, did Come you, on, man. Did you drive Did you drive your motorhome here? Or? Uh, I got the fifth wheel, yeah. Oh, okay. Did you park it, in front of, park it in front of Erica's house? No, I just drove it in the driveway here because I knew you were struggling with a the show. There was only two people showing up. You only up have a little bit. This is, with this Facebook. Is, this is premium. This is really nice. Was oh, that from the uh, from David? Yeah, David Black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good stuff. It's good it stuff. It is good. You don't even have Super a beer smooth. out here. I already drank it. Don't tell me Couldn't how to find any don't tell me how to don't tell me how to have a couple at my own show. Okay, next question, Matt. Okay. Uh, so how important is trail breaking versus, uh, not, uh, trail breaking. So the engine breaking. Well, no, I think he's, I think he's talking about like stepping it out, like slide, you know, sliding into a turn. No, I think he's talking about just kind of dragging the back brake. And probably under acceleration at some point. What? Of some who, of that super who, camp who, stuff. Uh, who, holy schmoly. Holy schmoly. Is holy schmoly still in the chat? Can he, can uh, he elaborate he a little bit on this? Yeah. Um, so just a couple things. So tra- trail breaking is in, in, in my world, trail breaking is kind of, you know, using the rear brake to kind of step the bike out to kind of, to kind of enhance the, the initiation of the turn. And I'm just going to tell you that you probably can't do it. <laughs> but in a broader sense, from my, you know, what I think of when I think of that, maybe more on a street sense, is trail braking kind of just with a back brake kind of sets the bike. To, you know, to stabilize it, it. It stabilizes the bike a little. You can actually kind of overlap the throttle with it a little. A little. Why would you want to slow down and speed up at the same time? Just to have that bike set. It, yeah, but it's you don't, not about but, speeding up and slowing down. It's about it's 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 a way to smooth out the part when you're ham fisted like the last guy, right? And he's twitchy on the throttle. He can smooth it out with some trail braking, probably. No, he can't. He can't even control his wrist. How he's going to control his well, wrist? Maybe and his he can right control foot. his foot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, I run an off-road riding school. Uh, my name is Jimmy Lewis. Uh, it's called JimmyLewisOffRoad.com. So if you, hey, if you're local, you know, like. Los Angeles, Vegas area, and you want to have a much better LA B2V this year, you should come and train our school this weekend because that small investment that you make in relation to the thousands of dollars you're going to spend on modifying your motorcycle, you can actually modify your riding techniques. And what we do at this school is we tell you in great detail the things that you didn't even know that you were doing wrong. It's really simple stuff. It's really basic and if you want to put the herd on your buddies, you know, because all of a sudden they're going to be tired at the end of the day and you're not going to be, or you want to crash a lot less because now all of a sudden you're a safer rider, or you just want to give your bike quite a bit more horsepower. You just come and see us. We have a school this weekend. Yeah. What's the, what's the price for a hospital visit to the ER way less than a, my school for a busted wrist or yeah. something? You broke gym. Did you know that? No. I didn't know this. I, I know he got tired. You took him for a ride? Yeah. Yeah. He got tired. He said he, he kept telling me he got tired. He did not crash, did he? Broke his wrist. No. <laughs> he just <laughs> found out today he doesn't need a cast. He didn't he didn't he didn't tell me this. He, I know oh, he I did know. he did t- he did tip over. Yeah, he just it sounded like he t- he tipped over and he just landed on his hand wrong and yeah, but then all of a sudden he yeah. he, he very quickly he was like seventy five or something. He like very that. quickly got really really tired. He's like, I'm really tired. We need to go back. He didn't say anything about it. He was hurt. But this, but he's, he's, hurt. he's he, well, there's kind of like the time he did the did the head plant out at the sand dunes. 
That was an ill-fitting helmet. He needs some helmet fit miniatures. <laughs> but anyway, it was a great you know, podcast. The other thing he told me, you remember when he, his story about buying his the five hundred where you bought his? Right. He went in for an air cleaner and bought a new bike like, or yeah. two. So he went went to the Dodge dealer out there in St. George today or yesterday <laughs> because he needed new tires. And so he figured he'd get him there. And the guy told him what he'd give him for a trade-in. So Jim, He's got a new almost truck. he didn't, but no, he almost came got out a new there. truck. They didn't have a uh, the right setup that he wanted. So he's <laughs> on the hunt for that. Needs <laughs> new tires. Just get a new one. Need an air cleaner. Get a new you one. You know, it sounds like he needs to come out and he needs to quit helping in the class. He needs to just come and take the class if he's falling over and getting hurt. He should just come out and pay to take the class. He just tipped over because you got him tired. I'm, I know better than that. That's it. He, well, you're here now. I'll fire him, and then he can just, he's already out here. He'll be, he'll be well, here this you week. Might as, you might as well just take the class, I'll tell him. He was happy because he's not getting a cast, but he's still got to wear a brace. He's not going to ride this weekend, but he's going to come out and be Just eat the food? Day. Eat the food. Ride around with Nate. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Okay. So this was uh, from... Oh, sorry. Roger uh, Eddington. On wheel bearings, do you recommend removing the dust cover and pack additional grease in them? Last time I did looked like Vaseline for grease from the factory. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so it kind of depends on on where you're riding and what the what the conditions are to a certain extent. But for sure, when I when I I make sure that the wheel bearings are coated with grease, mostly to keep the water and the moisture from getting in. Because when they when they're when they're new, there's probably no moisture in it. And I like to keep them that way. And most of the time, they're packed with sufficient amount of grease. But between the dust cover and that whole big area, I found that that you can you can pack a little extra grease in there, and it kind of helps out with keeping you know keeping the water out maybe keeping the axle a little bit lubed because it might fall onto it and stuff like that but it also can attract dirt so when you're pulling your axle out instead of the dirt like kind of falling in and maybe brushing off it it falls in and and kind of hangs out there now so I, you, you, he's talking about removing that little rubber seal on the bearing to get to the bearings themselves oh and put gap is, is he, there, he's right? talking about going all the way in, inside of the yeah, uh, you, you, kinda, you can peel that little thing out of there to actually see the yeah so he just says removing the dust cover and pack additional grease in the in them so uh, man i tell you what if you're picking that dust cover out of the actual bearing uh that's a i've seen more people damage them than actually do it you you've got to have some pretty precise tools and be very careful because you can damage it and then it just makes it that that that, it, that much a less of an effective seal generally good bearings and by good bearings i mean most of the bearings that you get these days that are that have a sort of a, a name brand a recognizable brand and this includes the companies like you know pivot works and all balls and these companies like this i've had really really good success in fact i i i was actually doing a long-term test of this stuff and I was I bought the expensive OEM ones. I bought more expensive ones at a bearing house, and then I bought all balls and I bought pivot works. And there was another company. It was just bearing house, something like this. But lots of different prices. They all lasted roughly the same amount of time. I mean, you know, plus three years. And then I started having failures. And one failure was one of the really expensive ones, and one failure is one of the less expensive ones. And I guarantee you it was all based on which one of these kids pressure washed 
the damn wheel. <laughs> so, Wasn't so, me. but if you're, but if you're, if you're talking about between the bearing and the, and the kind of the dust seal on the outside, that's a safe place to put stuff, you know, to put a little extra lube, but what it's going to do that is that's you. I don't have that noise on my phone. What it's going to do is, is just kind of, you know, it, it's, it's a water seal is what you're trying to do there. So. Okay. So from, uh, Mitch, uh, uh, Ob Oh, Ob. 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 Okay. Mitch Ob. Uh, race bush tip. If in a pinch with burned clutch, stack two steels, bend a steel or carry a steel with you, then you can put it in to get out of the bush. Moving plates around can also help you. So um, he's talking about, look, we're, we started off the show by talking about a, uh, what a fading clutch is and stuff right. like this. Well, that's what I posted. I posted, I thought the guy was talking about drag dressing, not drag clutching <laughs> uh, he's asking oh, about dressing drag i got it <laughs> yeah and it didn't come up oh i didn't i didn't see it chat. evidently <clears throat> i'll oh, talk it, about it, later it, it um, came up on the chat <laughs> so so yeah you can you can do you can i mean in a pinch you can do lots of different things you can actually like take a shoelace or a piece of string or i've i've you know i've done that you know, take a shoelace and string and wrap it between a couple of the plates and that will get you out as well. And, and you might have to drop it in gear and sometimes the, the, it'll compress and you actually kind of get some clutch back. But there's lots of different things you can do when you're when your clutch goes bad. But the best thing is if you were a better rider, uh, you wouldn't use the clutch that much. And that's uh, what we teach in my school. Clutch, just... clutch is a power amplifier, not a power reducer. And if you want to come and figure out how that really works, I can uh, I can tell you. Yeah, actually, spend uh, quite a lot of time uh, working with the clutch with a beginner student this past weekend. Yeah, and if you're a beginner guy and want to get into this dirt bike stuff, Matt can help you out. Yeah, he'll teach. I want to. He'll teach how to hit the rev limit. I want to spend some time talking about your beginner school because I got all these kids up in Montana that are riding, mm -hmm. and I've been kind of sourcing bikes for them. Okay, and going out and checking them out and bringing them back for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to hear about the beginner stuff a little. Okay. They'll be able to. They'll, they'll be able to do the online school. Yeah, yeah, it's online, coming. Online school is coming. coming. All right. So uh, Patrick uh, Beatty, not into ADV bikes, but I'm sure you guys have seen the uh, Bono race parts videos of the T7. Looks like they have the suspension fairly dialed in. Pretty much vids of them railing the creek beds. I don't think I've seen those videos, but uh, it, it is it the ones with um, Paul Torres. Pull Torres. I'm not sure. I haven't seen yeah. these videos that he's referring to. Um, you know, a good rider can make bad suspension look good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't know that the, uh, that having the suspension dialed in one way or the other. Uh, I, I, I think I know the pull Torres, pull, 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 Um, I, I'm pretty sure they just did a lot of work on the protection stuff. I don't think they did a whole lot of modifications to that motorcycle uh, for for that, if I if I remember correctly. But yeah, it just uh, just um, I don't I, I you know I I should ask my um, 16 year old wife that drives a Ferrari. <laughs> oh, that was pretty disrespectful. How, I did hear that how comment. she, she, yeah. she was doing the video. Cause she wrote in the video, in a lot of the video, she made it look good. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think that guy knew who, uh, who she was. A 16 year old girl yeah. that drives a Ferrari. That's who she is. Let's go. Next question. <laughs> All right. Uh, holy schmoly. Uh, is slipper clutch worth the extra money? What? 
is your need for the slipper clutch. So slipper clutches were and funny because I actually was watching a, a video about um, Honda's evolution of the their four stroke, some of their four stroke technology. And they talked about they built the oval piston bike and the big disadvantage of that bike was the incredible amount of compression braking it had. So they actually developed what was alleged to be the first slipper clutch in they a motorcycle. An oval piston bike, like how oval was it? Oval. Like two pistons were? Yeah, because you're only you're only you're limited to four cylinders and they wanted eight cylinders. So they built, built an oval piston. Two Conrods. Oh. It was crazy. It's called the it was called the it was the NR, NS, NR. They, they raced one in Baja too, if I remember No. That was always those were always they were not oval. Yeah, I don't think they did an oval one. I don't know. You know, we should ask Johnny that. I I doubt it. I don't think so. It was rumored. No, I thought the the seven eighty. They Something did. Chase told me that he thought it was the oval piston. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it probably got so hot it made the cylinder oval when it was done. I, I tell you what, those bikes never went more than 200 miles. They were fast, evidently. The um, so so if you and if you're and dirt, we don't have that much traction to where like on the pavement you have so much traction, a slipper clutch can kind of be a good thing. Cause if you, if you have too much decompression and it breaks traction, it starts hopping, you get a lot of wheel hop and stuff. It doesn't really happen that much in the dirt. Cause it just, the traction isn't so on and off. So, so the tire tends to slip a little bit more and it's so easy just to, to really turn your idle up a little bit. If this kind of starts becoming a problem. Um, and then you can also on certain bikes, you can tune the ignition to, to get rid of uh, this, this feeling, but slipper clutch, uh, it, a lot of guys when the, it's when the when the four stroke motocross bikes were coming out, a lot of guys were running them because they were they were banging downshifts too quick and causing you know similar similar problems. But uh, I don't I don't really see the need for them too much. And that's a that's a supermoto thing, right? It's very and, much a supermoto, and that's thing. just so you can you can bang them in and not get that wheel hop. Yep, and do other things. Yep. And, but, and and still some I think I think there's some motocross guys that still run them just because they don't like that they don't like the compression braking, but now they're able to tune so much of that with the with the um, with the fuel injection and, and just you know adjusting mm -hmm. that way. The problem with the slipper cut is you're always going to get a little bit of on off. You know when you when you when it's slipping and you come back on, you're always going to get a little bit and and so that level of precision for some some riders is kind of bothersome. And then the way. And then, and then if you're actually doing something on the lever as well as the slipper is activating, you know, the whole clutch has to be, has to be moving and it's really hard to control the clutch. Because the 390 has a slipper clutch. Is that because it I comes think, from I a I think street? a lot of the KTM adventure bikes have slipper clutches in them. They have, they have a ramp on the, they have a ramp on the backside. So when the clutch, uh, you know, when it's, when the, the way it's set up is so when, when you decelerate, it actually opens the clutch up. It, they, they come stock with them. So I, I, I don't like the imprecise clutch feel it gives, but that's me. All right. So another one from Mitch, uh, Obed, uh, KTM TPI gone for 2023. Apparently is what he says. Apparently, right there. Yeah. I don't know. I doubt it. Um, I don't know. I don't know that. I, I don't know that it will be TPI. It may actually be a more conventional, uh, fuel injection. You know, they might move the injector to a different location. It may not be injecting it into the into the ports, but I don't know. I've seen pictures of prototypes that have it, the injectors in a lot of different places. So I haven't bothered to ask. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Kyle McCoy, uh, climb F5, uh, Corrad is the best helmet in my opinion. I wore it 4,800 miles racing at Dakar. It's light. The technology is amazing and it's quick on and off. Only drama was tech inspection didn't initially approve it because they weren't familiar with the quick clip. Yeah, that is that is one of the best things about the climb helmet is the fid lock helmet locking system. And once you start using this, once you have this, and this is my problem, is anytime I go to wear another helmet, I get pissed off that I have to run the strap through the little things once you just learn where to index that thing and just go t- it, it can be a little bit of an issue like if you're wearing like now we're all wearing like neck <laughs> neck braces neck neck uh necks uh face napkins or whatever they call them but you know <laughs> i i started i started wearing my face masks a lot more and i realized how much how comfortable it makes my neck and but like so if you have something that's obstruction there down there and it the magnet can't index and find itself like you have a piece of material. That's a, the only time that thing is like an index, but or it doesn't index perfectly. And you just have to wiggle around and get them, get them out by themselves and go. Yeah. You don't have to done. take off your heavy gloves or whatever. You no. just got to throw it up there. Yeah. You literally almost throw it up there and it latches, <clears throat> but that is one of the best things. What um, do you mean you wear your face mask? Cause it makes your. It helps, helps, so, helps keep my neck nice and nice and warm or cool or keeps the sun off my neck. You're talking about a face mask, like a COVID mask or a... Well, uh, no, I just wear the sleeve. Uh, now the sleeve, that's like what I... Like a buff. Yeah, a buff like thing. A yeah, I wear, them, I wear them all the time. Yeah, neck gaiter. Yeah. Because then I, then I don't forget because I always forget when I go someplace and then they say, you know, around here it's 50-50. You know, some of the business say you have them, some of you don't. So... All right, Sean Elliott, uh, do you ever use a paddle tire? Never. <clears throat> no. Unless, unless, well, like if I want to get really super drunk and go to the dunes and like, bro, and you know, like do big roosts, yeah, I'll, I'll do it then. That was so. pretty funny on one of those trainings. We were out at Big Dune and Andrew and Ricky and uh, Candle, I think, were all there. And uh, who's the quad guy? Anyway, they, they were all racing around up those dunes. I mean, just ripping around, you know, they just ride over that stuff. This guy comes across the parking lot. Thunk, 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 thunk. <laughs> hey, wow. What are you guys doing? You know, uh, you train, you training for something or what? You know, they all got their jerseys on with their names and everything. And he's kind of, yeah, yeah, we got a thing coming up. And he's like, oh, wow, that's cool. You're doing all that with. With no pa- regular dirt tires, huh? He's just <laughs> so impressed. And, and well, yeah, what are you training for? And then he said, oh, this, you know, little thing, the Dakar rally, you heard of that? You know, and he's like, uh, no, not really, not you know, really. but yeah, that's really, and he took off and I was just watching him go thunk, 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 thunk. He probably, he park, probably wondered if they were getting ready for competition hill on, <laughs> on, uh, yeah. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So my, my question is, uh, do you do like all those guys who are doing like the big free riding jumps? Do they need those paddle tires for to to really hook up and you know since they're just hooking it or? Well, half those guys that were doing some of the half the guys that were doing the big jumps have a hard time riding a motorcycle. <laughs> they can do big ass jumps. Yeah, and that's the but, thing. But but they they do need a paddle tire. <laughs> those guys, but the guys that know how to ride and stuff, they could they could do it on either. But you you do the paddle tires hook up so crazy. It's like you're not mm-hmm. in the sand. It's it's like you're riding on Velcro almost. Really? So I have used them before. Yes, um, I hate them. I hate them because you go to turn and they just wash out. Like they don't, they, 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 they literally, they literally want to come out of the sand. They want to lift the bike out of the sand and wash out. It's freaking horrible. It's no fun. If you're just going to do straight lines, they're great. 
But if you're going to turn, just is it like a jet ski? Run. You got to turn the throttle on to turn the thing. No, you don't. You, <laughs> no, if you turn the throttle on it, it lifts the bike. It lifts the tire out of the sand. It wants to. It always wants to come out of the sand. Hmm. And they they don't have. They don't really because the swing arm's so narrow, and you have this big tall paddle that it, it doesn't really go off to the side too much. So no good for turning. I'm totally surprised. At just like those uh, the equilibriums. You know, it's a hybrid. Yeah, those it looks like a trials <laughs> tires. That's, Ride that's, all that's over the, the last time that. I went to Glamis. That's what I was riding around on. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next question. Okay. Uh, Claydal uh, admin on the topic of non-rotated pictures of the, of the Husky Wats, <laughs> your take on compressing the suspension while the bike is being transported. Doesn't matter. Does it? I have no problems with that. I mean, I've seen people that put things underneath the forks to keep it from collapsing you know, to keep it kind of from, you know, pressuring down. And there was a big thing when the air forks came out, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, it's going to blow the seals out and all this different stuff. And if you're going to store your bike under compression like that, probably wouldn't recommend that. But I've left my bike in the back of the truck for three or four days and I don't notice any difference. I think modern springs, whether you're talking about springs in a magazine on a gun uh -huh. or any of that stuff. We don't talk about guns here, George. Okay. <laughs> Dirt bikes, motorcycle related products. Dirt bikes, yeah. all that stuff. It's yeah. just come so far i don't think you yeah. can just compress them for a while and have them just lose everything right all right so uh eric and katie garrett jimmy i'm close to buying a 2022 gas gas ec 250 but can't decide if i might like the pds better for my application i'm a 51 year old novice trail rider 205 pounds with gear about 50-50 faster, single track, and some slow stuff. Wondering if a KTM 250 XCW might be a better choice. Your input is much appreciated. And I already know the, what you're going to say. He should come to the class and he can ride my 300 with a yeah. PDS shock on it. Yeah, do, do a little do, while. Do a comparison. Yeah. Do a comparison. Yeah. Uh, he already knows what he's going to say. He, he knows what I'm going to say. PDS. Oh, right? you, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you, I thought he said he, oh, I'm no, like, well, sorry, why, I, I was going to ask him why, why he took the time to write the question. Am I talking to Katie or am I talking to Eric? Uh, well, I'm talking to both of them. I think both. Both of them. Okay. Cause you know, I mean, like it really comes down to you like, do you like the red or do you like the orange? Cause you know, just never know. Right. right. Oh, we're talking about suspension. Yeah. Like yeah. I said earlier, I think, I think you can get either of them to work equally you know, they, they're both, they'll both get the job done. Unless you're super, super picky, you're probably not going to notice a difference. And if, and if you didn't, if you didn't think about it, like if you rode a XCW back to back with that, with that gas gas, cause they, I, I'm pretty sure they're setting the gas gas up a lot more like an XCW as opposed to like an XC. So it's kind of like the, the, you know, some of the, some of the Huskies are kind of, they're supposed to kind of bridge the gap between XC and XCW. I think the gas gas is the same thing. And I don't know if it's, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where the, where the target is or exactly what they do. I think I wrote about where, where it was when they told me when I asked, but this was on the 20, I think the 21, but they're probably the same, but they, I think, I, I think you'll be fine with uh, with either one, really. Like which which color do you, so, do you want? I, I like the way the gas gas ran. They they had did they've done something with a little bit with the power valve activation, mm -hmm. and I think maybe a little bit with the ECU, and it was I liked it a little bit better. So my wife Carrie was looking for bicycles, and this one bike guy she talked to said something that made a lot of sense. He goes, he goes, buy the bike, 
that you think is just going to be cool to get on and you're going to ride, you know, whatever yeah. appeals to you and you're going to ride. Cause I mean, like I could ride those bikes and I might find one I like or don't, but I'm, the PDS, whatever, that's not going to matter to me. I don't, you know, I'm not into that's it. That's why that I said much. it take, you have to, you got to get up to a pretty high level before you can actually scrutinize that stuff. You, or you can scrutinize it or extract any advantage or disadvantage, you know, out of it. And I mean, I really prefer the PDS number one for its simplicity. It's just, it's just super easy. And number two, cause I hop over, I like hopping over stupid sh- stuff. Like, and I don't like a linkage and, and I've, and I've been doing it for so long now on these PDS bikes. When I hop on a bike with the linkage, I forget it's there and I get hung up. And a new guy might be ramming into a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, get something without linkage. So you're not breaking those parts. It might be. And now, now they make skid plates that glide right over. Some people like use the, use the linkage to glide. They need that extra bit of glide because if they don't have that little kick, the linkage gets them. Then they really hit when they but don't yeah, want to. How do you describe himself again? Novice. Yeah, get something and just ride it. Just get whatever I, I floats totally, your boat. I totally agree with George. And yeah. ride it. Yes. Okay, so uh, there's one more question, and it is pretty similar, actually. So Bill Hall just wants to know, like, Link versus PDS. Uh, <laughs> we do, we do, this is where we need that. Go to episode whatever the heck it was. Yeah. I did a deep dive into this uh, a long time ago, but it, it's it's – they're they're both two different ways of trying to do the same sort of thing and i i find that if and and they've changed you know ktm has changed and olin's have changed and wp has changed the pds like where they put the second piston and how they how they're activating it with a needle or it's a it's a it's a second piston going into a cup or all there's all these different ways of doing it's pds stands for um progressive damping system and they use it's essentially like having a secondary damping system so they don't have to change the leverage ratio via a link with a strange curve to it. And that's it's it, that's it. I I found that I feel more in the way that the that 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 affects the chassis. And a lot of it was because they were changing where they were mounting the shock on the chassis. But when you have this shock that's sort of isolated off of the off of the swing arm and onto a onto a linkage, it affects the way that the that the that the swing arm feels and the way that the chassis feels more than anything anything else that can't that, that can't be done inside of the shock. Like whether it's with a link, you know, different links, or whether it's by you know, doing the piston. But this is stuff that you're never going to change. Like a regular guy is not going to go and start buying different linkages or change the position of the of the PDS shock on the frame or on the swing arm or all this other crazy stuff that I've luckily been able to experience through different models or actually in proper tests. So uh, what's the difference? Uh, one is a lot less complicated than the other for taking the shock on and off. <laughs> That's it. That's it. There we go. So that's about it for uh, chat questions. Okay. Well, I'm glad everybody I got a uh, question. Oh, great. Here we go. No, this is a good, serious question. So I didn't I'm, really want to come out of the closet on this show, George. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Well, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Oh, Not yeah. about that. My uh, 790 battery was dead. Okay. I got like a thousand something miles on that bike is all. Uh-huh. But I was thinking about it. Adventure bikes, I've never really fooled around with a suspension. Re- even re-sprung them. Okay. You know, for my weight, because uh, I don't ride like that, you know, 
yes. ride within the whatever it is given me. Right. But I was thinking about that. Um, good idea, bad idea. Spring it for my weight. What does them. this have to do with a dead battery? Nothing. I think I'm just embarrassed because I don't need, ride it. You need to put a new battery in it first. I that, did. Yeah, let's oh, ride it. You should. You should. I was thinking about my commute. You should back buy this. Here. You should buy this bike to get more excited about it and ride it more. Well, I own it. I know. That's I bought the, the battery. You bought paid, the battery. Paid too much. Right. To get it running, took it out. Carrie and I went for a little short ride. I have a discount code for Shorai. Did you call me? No. Nope. No. Didn't want to use my advantages. Uh, d- I, so have you played with the clickers and played with the preload? I've only ridden a thousand miles. Do that first. No. Do that first. But, <coughs> Isn't that what I said earlier, Matt? I believe. Try the clickers first, or yeah, that was a regular yeah. suspension question. Even when your yeah. weight's way out of whack for the. Find out whether the, the spring preload is going to, you know, put it there. And if you're, if, yeah. if you're that far out of whack on that, on that KTM, I would say if anything, it's sprung too stiff. Okay. Or at least it's damp and too stiff. I've never really looked into it. I haven't. I haven't spent a whole lot of time on those. But but I just wondered on adventure bikes. I guess are they generally sprung a little more stiffer just because they're made to carry a bunch of crap? And sometimes you know, some are, and some are, and some aren't. But they they the good thing is usually it's real easy to adjust the spring pillow. They usually have a knob on them that'll do it. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I think that you want to find the you know just. You would. Ha- I would have to have a complaint about it before I would say. Right. You, you know, it's if if you feel and everybody says it's bottoming out, and then I asked them. I said, so when you're riding along and you saw what you were going to hit, did you know it was going to bottom out? And they're like, no. And I go, well, then you're riding too fast. You you don't even understand what but the bike is. People is. like me, a simpleton, not really riders into it. We're always looking for the Jimmy Lewis answer because we don't know what direction we're going. And the answer is and sometimes you say something and I do it and it's like, wow, that really made a big difference in the right direction. Right. So that's what all us internet surfer squids are looking at. Just looking you for know, the right that's answer. Why, you know, people sell all this aftermarket stuff. And I got to sell some more shit. <laughs> Need to sell cars right now. If you got cars to sell, that uh, market is going crazy. Yeah. Um, Victor says you need to stop eating tacos and that'll fix your suspension. Well, that's true too. There's <laughs> a lot of truth so, to that. Okay. Well, I think that's a, I think that's about it. Let's see. I think they come ready for the side cases, kitchen sink and the Keurig. What's that? Adventure bikes? Probably. Yeah. KTMs. So. They're just, they're just, they're just, uh, they're just, I think they went with a more stiff setting and, but I can still bottom it out. It, it's it, it when something's that heavy and you hit something that you shouldn't, it's going to bottom out and I don't care how much money you spend on it, but that is the most common complaint with the adventure guys. And so it just, you know, you'll hear guys that are supposedly faster. Or they're journalists that supposedly know their thing. And they talk about, ah, oh, suspension's too soft. It's, they pound their chest. Oh yeah. Suspension's too soft. I bottomed it out. And it's like, usually I watch the dipshit that was doing it. I'm just going, Whoa, really? You're going to ride it like that? Cause you're not going to last very long. And and so so this kind of bleeds over. Well, then I need stiffer springs, and it's like, do you, uh, you know, do you really need stiffer springs? Because the springs and technically they might help a little bit, but once that thing gets moving, it's more the damping that's really kind of controlling it at that point, and you're probably going to bottom out on that that thing too. So, yeah, get a new question. battery. Uh, Jose did uh, bring up a. One last question. Recluse or get better at clutch control? I have a CRF450L with Vortex and uh, Yoshi that I'm good at stalling. 
Um, I remember when those. He was in the class last time, I think. When that L first mm-hmm. came he out, was. I really didn't like that clutch engagement on those. Well, Hondas. compared compared to a it KTM, really, it is it is it is not that good. Uh, and of you know, like I said, that 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 we were talking about the clutch and the fade. You know, that's an easy one to get hot and overheat. And but I would say get better at the clutching is the is the the first things to do but you could get a recluse and completely forget about it so you know pick your poison <laughs> both of them have a uh, both of them have um you know advantages i actually, remember the way that delivered actually, the power was pretty twitchy too it's it, it, well he he has he's he's had it modified now so now it's 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 not the lean kind of the the kind of lean jerkiness his his now when you turn the throttle it's like a it's too much I, I was watching him ride and, and when he turned the throttle, it, you know, he wasn't ready for it. That was for sure. And, and it, you know, it just take, it takes practice to, to, you know, you've got to learn, you've got to anticipate what your motorcycle is going to be doing. And so, so I think at his stage where he was at with the riding, if this is the Jose that was in the class, um, I would think that it just working on the clutch control, but you don't, I mean, is you don't really use the clutch that much. I mean, really, once you're rolling, once you're out riding, I don't ever touch my clutch again, hardly. So if he wants to work on that, he should park on a hill or something and just kind of roll up and back. Roll up and back and, you know, get get comfortable with it. I mean, it, you know, you know, learn, make sure you're only using it to amplify the power, not reduce it like most people do. You know, they, they're, they're just slipping the hell out of their clutch and then they wonder why their bike's overheating. Then they need a bigger radiators and they need a fan and then they need different oil and then their clutch is fried, glazed. And then, uh, I don't know. Your brother loves you, by the way, Ed. It's good. He's keeping, holding down the fort when you weren't here. He's adopted, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the recluse manual clutch plates are really good too. They have better than OEM in some cases and SS that is a true statement. And we actually in our long-term CR 450 uh, X, I actually think John, big John Perkins has that clutch in his 450 X right now. Oh, does he? And it, it it's definitely an improvement. Um, just it's, it's still a manual clutch, but it's, plates. Uh, it's pretty good. The plates. Is that what you're talking about? Or the dampers? Uh, why why does the Gen 2 CR450X not have a fan? Does it not overheat? Well, if you don't use the clutch, it doesn't overheat. <laughs> Were you just talking about the recluse plates are really yeah, good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet, I mean, so, some bikes are they're more they work better than in others. I the thing with the with their with their with the more expensive, there's like three different levels we did. We did them in steps and we detailed it in that test. I can't recall exactly what, but every step was an improvement. But the the second step, you go from like eight plates to 10 plates. They have thinner, they're used, everything's a little bit thinner. And so there's more friction inside of there and there's more stuff. And it did it did make a, a, a noticeable difference. It, it still wasn't quite on the you know par of like a KTM hydraulic clutch, but it wasn't, wasn't bad. So... Confirm big improvement right there from Big John. Yeah, he he knows because we I, he's still around. Huh? I haven't heard anything from him in well, years. God, he had to go to jail. He got abducted by aliens. He's done all the things out here in Prompt. Uh, the the so the so the other the other thing about that is when we were when we were kind of you know going through those you know the steps, and then we put the 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 full recluse setup in it. And I mean, it just, it just went from all the way up to, you know, to being, I don't have to touch this clutch anymore. It's really good. So, 
Okay. Um, go check out dirtbiketest.com. Uh, subscribe to us. Are we supposed to, you're supposed to do those things where you go like this and point down at the subscribe button. Cause yes. if, if you don't, then we don't get in. Uh, I don't know. It's a long show. I forget all this stuff. I'll try to find a way to edit that into the, to the podcast audio. Yeah. Right. So they can start looking for a button yep. while they're listening to it. Yep. That's exactly yep. what we don't need. Uh, <laughs> go, go game with us over on Twitch. George is uh George will play um Excite Bike or Motocross Mania. Which one are you gonna play? I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> so um we will uh we will catch you on the next one. Save up all your good questions and uh ask them next week. So George, what are we gonna do? See you out in the trail. Cheers. <laughs>